stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex and Ryan, following Everton's 3-1 defeat at St. James's Park to Newcastle, a pivotal Everton match in which they leave with zero points. The dismal Premier League form continues. Meanwhile, Newcastle have won back-to-back Premier League games for the first time this season. Everton, on the other hand, have lost four consecutive Premier League games for the first time since October 2019 under Marco Silva. And Frank Lampard, unfortunately, becomes the first permanent Everton manager to lose his first league game since Gordon Lee in 1977. Before we get into instant match reactions, just a reminder to please leave the podcast a rating or review on your platform of choice. And if you want to follow us on social media, please do so. Uh, You can find all the links at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod and join our Discord which you can join by going to invite.gg slash ATP. Now, we move into the episode, starting with instant match reactions. We'll go to Ryan first, do a little switcheroo. Kick us off, Ryan. Oh, boy. It was not a good performance. Well, we'll get into it, but I, I have some suspicions that perhaps it was not the best idea to play everyone that we did for as long as we did on Saturday. I mean, I'm sorry. I think it looked very obvious that one team was fatigued and one was not. Um, Still doesn't really excuse the start and some of the bad touches, heavy touches, heavy passes. Maybe it does, but we certainly didn't look as organized. I think we had a player or two kind of out of position. And yeah, we just didn't didn't look very good and deserved to lose. Really disappointing loss. I think everyone knew from about minute 30 on how it was going to go. And it seemed to kind of deep dive after a couple injuries. But otherwise, definitely some questionable choices, which we'll dissect in a little bit. So let's get right into the lineup for Newcastle. Yeah, no uh, correct score predictions from the Discord. Sh- shocker. People were Maybe. optimistic. I guess so. Uh, people were uh, impressed. The momentum was building from the FA Cup win. Shows you how long momentum lasts. Uh, let's talk about lineup. Yeah. So Newcastle, last time out, have played more of a 4-3-3. It's been questionably a four-one-four-one under Eddie Howe. Um, I, I think they have a lot of attacking players on the field when they announced the lineup. It was pretty much the same lineup as it's been. Uh, the midfield, John Joe Shelby normally sits back, kind of behind Joe Linton, who's pushed up, and, and Willock. Um, Chris Wood is is their new target guy, of course. Um, Frazier's quick, diminutive on the right side, and and the danger guy is um, Saint Maximin, who's a dribbler extraordinaire out on the left wing. Definitely a handful. Uh, you could tell that Yuri Mina was most likely going to shade over to that side to help deal with him and also did that in possession, I think, in the FA Cup match very well. Um, so half the graphics out there were completely wrong in terms of how Everton was playing, by the way. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, to me, their big weakness is their back line. I mean, Target's a nice upgrade for them at left back. Um, they were struggling to get consistent performances. Uh, Trippier is a good player going forward, but LaSalle's has been bad. I mean, he is lacking confidence, has not been good, and and Char is just not quick, slow. Uh, if you know, hopefully, what I was hoping was John just not a great defensive player, Shelby too. I thought if we could get through those first lines, we could do some damage if we get some isolation on the back line. I don't think that happened enough, frankly, and I think that was pretty obvious. 
Um, and look, they don't score a lot, but they also give up a lot of goals. So they're not a good team. 17th in, uh, in expected goals against, but they've only conceded three goals in the last four. So they do appear to be a little bit better structured. Uh, Longstaff went to the bench. He's normally a more defensive option, more of an all-arounder in the middle. And, and new arrival Bruno Guimaraes, uh, former Paranese player, who I remember watching in Brazil and quite liked, who came from Lyon. Big signing for them, but um, looked like they were going to wait for him to get in. He got in later, but did not impact the match too much. But I think a much more interesting story was the Everton lineup because, man, we were all sitting there trying to figure out how the heck these people were all going to fit together. Yeah, the Everton lineup was a bit of a surprise. So we knew Godfrey had to drop out because of the injury in the last match. And then we it, it soon came out that Mikalinko was going to be a miss with COVID, although it was it was reported in some odd odd way in which he said that his test was inconclusive, whatever that means. So maybe he does, maybe he does. Liverpool would have dealt with that. (laughs) Nonetheless, nonetheless, um, you know, we had Gomez, Alon in the center of the pitch together, just as we did um, on the weekend in a front three of Gray, Richarlison and Gordon. But the interesting one, obviously the big talking point would be Andrews Townsend at left mid or left wing back. If you'd like to call it that as he would probably be, if I'm not mistaken, essentially the only outfield player, maybe other than Branthwaite, right, who has a left foot. And he does, to be fair, have the work rate. Well, they all have left, technically, they all have left feet, but, you know, (laughs) predominantly useful left feet. Yeah, Townsend, obviously a left-footed player. Bizarre decision to play him there. Ryan's rolling his eyes at me. (laughs) He's not amused. No, I'm not, because we just had to watch that for 90 minutes. I, I yeah. don't understand this decision at all. It makes absolutely no sense to me. He played some on the left side in a deeper role. I, I thought he was playing legitimate wingback first, and thank God that wasn't the case. It looked like we looked like we were playing more 4-3-2-1 out of possession. Um, and I don't necessarily love that, but I think it's a way to kind of get pressure on them. And we're doing a little bit of, you know, instead we were playing kind of 3-4-3 out of possession uh, before against Brentford. I was hoping the top three would pressure a little bit more. They never really did um, or never really in sync. Um, But yeah, I hated that decision. I I don't think that makes any sense whatsoever. So we would defend in the four. Seamus would drop pretty much. Townsend would still say higher. Um, Yeah, again, just just don't don't agree with that decision at all. I mean, there are other people that could maybe play on that side. And I think Andrews Townsend is going to struggle in a team that wants to keep possession. It's not his good thing. His first touch is not great. He's a little sloppy with the ball. You could see he can serve a ball. He can shoot a ball and he's good on the break. You know what I mean? When he's got a little bit of space to kind of make things happen, he can put a ball where you want and be dangerous. But if he's not cutting inside on his left, I mean, boy, and, and I can't help but think that it's pretty disappointing that we couldn't just play in wingbacks and play like Patterson at left wingback or John Joe Kenny. Um, I, I don't, I don't quite understand that logic. I mean, we haven't even seen Patterson yet. We haven't even He's seen him expensive. Yet. I can't believe that you don't think he can't at least play in a wingback role. I mean, I would have played him in the FA Cup match. I cannot believe he is. Look, I thought he was raw, and I wondered if that was really. I know. I think we overpaid for him, that type of thing. But holy moly, like if he can't come in and play in a wingback type role, his left foot's fantastic, too. He could probably play on the left side. He did some for Rangers. I don't know when he's ever going to play. I mean, and Bameen wasn't even on the bench. So you're coming in with two guys playing central midfield, expecting to dominate possession that just played 90 minutes each. And we know Andre is already a hit or miss player and Alon's 30 years old. So I I don't, I don't understand a lot of the logic behind 
both of the games collectively as a portfolio. Clearly, this had to be the more important game to me. I think it was a, a really strange decision to slot Townsend in there. To the point about both Bameen and Patterson, we said it. I said it on the last episode. If they're not playing in games like this, that you know, or the FA Cup match, they're never going to get a game. And you need to leverage the the depth in some way as these fixtures come back to back because the fatigue became very obvious as the match wore on. You look at Everton's shape. It's a little misleading, the graphic we have, but not nearly as uh, structured as we saw against Brentford. No question about it. Um, and, And the balance was still there to some degree, but when you're looking to attack via Seamus Coleman and Andrews Towns in wide areas, uh, you're going to run into some problems, which we obviously did. Uh, Newcastle also, I think, tried to apply a little more pressure higher up to start the game, and we weren't quite able to find, you know, feed the ball into the midfield uh, to Alan and Gomez as easily as we did against Brentford, and it made things really difficult for us trying to build out of the back, and eventually we just resorted to hoofball for like the last maybe even 60 minutes of the match. It became really ugly, but let's get into the timeline Talk through the key events um, early on. Very sloppy. Looked very disjointed. I think there was some good movement, but the execution, I mean, we were just giving the ball away left and right, misplacing passes into to no one. And it was even with the full lineup, it was very frustrating to watch. And then even in the 24th minute, Damari Gray goes down, seemingly a thigh injury, whether that's his hamstring or his quad, not totally clear. But he was limping and he just kind of, you could tell he was really frustrated. He was, you know, punching the ground and had to make a very, very early sub. So not going according to plan there. You could tell we just could we just couldn't break through their lines. You know what I mean? It just, and, and look at their average positions. It's like they didn't have to move, you know, and we were just giving the ball away. So many heavy touches. Alon is normally a good passer. Yeri Mina had two really bad passes early and he is normally as safe a play with the ball as there is and Andre was just giving it away right and left and the dribbling went away too we weren't carrying the ball past people it was pretty ugly and concerning we settled down but um, certainly that gray injury hurt us because I felt like at that point we started building a little momentum Deli Ali finally comes in number 36 in your program number one in your heart new haircut ready to go I don't know what car he drove to the airport who knows we know that doesn't matter to Frank, but it does matter to Glenn Hoddle and others. Uh, no, I, I thought I, I kind of wonder if he wasn't quite prepared to go in there, but he was it's debatable whether him and Van de Beek were the right people to put in kind of the two that were playing behind Richarlison. And I think he struggled a little bit good in the game. We'll kind of talk about player performances in a little bit. Um, but I did think we were kind of growing into the game at that point, And I thought we were starting to come alive and be the more dangerous team. And we had a goal that can you believe that was disallowed in the 30th? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Richie was was miles offside in that one, unfortunately. But he did slip in, on the on the replay. He slipped, which is why he he wasn't able to hustle back. But essentially, uh, the ball was knocked around the box in, in Newcastle's box, and Deli Ali was able to hook it over to Richarlison, which a nice nice little I think side foot slash back heel uh, finish. He had to look back over the shoulder, make sure it still went in for you know. For it was slick. It was but, slick um, and cheeky. Otherwise, you know, as we mentioned, it was yeah, it was it was a nice goal. Um, and, and I was, I was sitting there hoping at that point that that was, you know, a sign to come, you know, Richie's ready. Everyone's ready. I think at that point too, I'm pretty sure I heard through the broadcast, uh, the Everton fans singing the Richarlison song. But as we mentioned, the game was getting really choppy and in the 33rd minute, John Joe Shelby had a pretty bad, uh, tackle. I think it was on Gordon, right. In which he ended up with a yellow card 
Now we kind of want to talk about, I think, and, and dive into whether we thought it was a yellow or red. So James, what do you think about that tackle from John Joe Shelby on Gordon? Yeah, it was nasty. And we didn't even mention Mason Holgate's earlier challenge in the 14th minute, which also saw him see yellow. Some people were crying out for a red. It's a really hard challenge, but I don't think it is. it would be enough to constitute serious foul play. And we have the rule here, tackle or challenge that endangers the safety of an opponent or uses excessive force or brutality uh, must be sanctioned a serious foul play. So I don't think it quite reach, reaches that threshold, but it was a nasty challenge. And there were nasty challenges and really physical play going around the, the pitch all night and the crowd at St. James's park were frankly eating it up and, and living for it. I could see someone making a case for red. I mean, it was straight from behind. There's no question. Um, I didn't, it was funny. Our discord was like red, red, red. Everyone thought it was a red immediately because it was straight from behind. I think he just kind of left his leg out of the back and kind of clipped him in the heel. I, I don't think he really drove into him. It wasn't that hard, but it was bad and it was reckless for sure. It was definitely deserving of a yellow, I would argue, I think Mason Holgates was almost even more uh, violent. Um, both, I think, were yellows because Mason kind of wrapped his leg around him. Mason's was dumb. I mean, this one was equally dumb. I, I don't understand. Typical. Like, why are, you, why are you doing that, too? It just makes... And Shelby, that's a mistake, too, because he's got to be the anchor there behind that midfield. But we never seem to quite, you know, take advantage of it, unfortunately. Alex, what would you think? You think red or yellow? Because, I mean, I could see the case for the red. Yeah, I mean, I see a case for, for both, right? Like, you know, it's it, all of it is subjective, especially with the excessive force. So I'm not going to say, you know, red or yellow. As an Everton fan, I think it should have been a red. Would have been nice. That? Love it. Would have been, been nice. Yeah. Yeah. But we, I mean, I thought we were playing okay at that point and kind of coming on. And then in the 35th minute, another absolute nightmare for us. Yuri Mina goes down. Um, the thing is, it almost looked like he wanted to keep playing. But it looked like kind of a muscle thing, and it was off the play a little bit, So, which kind of concerns you a little bit. Same thing with Gray. I mean, it looked like kind of like an upper quad thing. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Mina being pushed into the lineup when he probably shouldn't even have played in the FA Cup match may have been a contributing factor. I don't know. But that's Yeri. You know, Yeri clearly needs to have full recovery for some of these things. And I, I, don't, I don't know what you do with him there because we're a night and day better team when he's on the pitch. I mean, this really hurt us. It's a huge risk to play him back-to-back games, very little turnaround with a guy with an injury record like him. And it just is so discouraging to see multiple players going down with what amounts to non-contact off-the-ball injuries inside of 40 minutes on the pitch. And then we're forced into bringing Jared Branthwaite on, definitely a downgrade in terms of our ability to play out of the back. And also just hugely problematic as the injury list continues to mount up and it's it's got to be considered you know those types of muscle injuries are often a result of of fatigue or overplaying and so it in some ways was preventable but i understand that as you said ryan we're so much better with him on the pitch that it almost feel like you have to play him there yeah but it really hurt us in dealing with um say maxine because he was Bottled somewhat in the first half. I mean, other than his theatrics diving around and flopping all over the place. Um, Seamus was hanging with him, at least in the first half, but it's a lot easier to hang with someone when you've got big Gary Mina behind you. And uh, Wood is is someone that Keen could match up with okay. So if that's kind of the matchup, I'll take that. I think, you know, we would be successful eventually. So when your best center half goes out 
and you've got the dribble machine and Mina is really hard to beat via the dribble. I mean, the 41st minute still at this point, we're still out shooting Newcastle six to four. Um, but I think we were mostly thinking, please, dear God, let's get to halftime one, one, because two injuries, we looked out of sorts. We looked disorganized. We're kind of falling apart pretty quickly. I, I think most were happy that it was one to one at half. I don't know how you guys felt, but I, I did at that point. It was a chance to get reorganized. You know, I, well, I mean, we, we skipped over the back-to-back own goals in the span of two minutes. I mean, that was a ridiculous. It was the most Everton-Newcastle like sequence of play. You know, there was the game that we will not talk about in detail, but the late capitulation. And then for Mason Holgate to get the assist on an own goal right after, uh, for off of LaSalle's, after LaSalle's, gets the own goal on our end. You couldn't write that into the, into the match script, but you know, we go up <clears throat> probably fortunately though we had maybe the better chances up to that point. And then we just immediately concede and go into the break level. As you said, Ryan, probably fortunate, but uh, it did feel like things were starting to go had really gone against us. So for us to be level at the break felt, yeah, I guess fortunate. I don't know what you thought, Alex. Yeah, I mean, and and I think Joe Linton had a couple, you know, a couple chances pretty open on the, you know, the top play of the six. game. And, and to be honest, you know, if it was another match, if it was maybe another player, any other player, uh, it probably it could have been like three one Newcastle at halftime. So to say we were lucky is is an understatement. But the interesting thing is, you know, we had fifty seven percent possession, right? Although, you know, I think we all agree, like we never you know, felt like we were in control, very sloppy match, passing, you know, the physicality, et cetera. It was a really bad settle. I mean, it was it was a really bad start to the match. We settled down a little bit, but then injuries really took its toll. And at that point in time, I mean, we weren't really creating anything. It, it felt like the crowd was getting behind Newcastle in general. And it definitely felt like we were, you know, susceptible to to further pressure in the second half. And we almost just had the ball to give it away. <laughs> I just felt like, you know, there it was not progressive. It was not dangerous. I, I thought I thought Anthony Gordon showed some jump in the first half. He looked like he was dangerous. He was making good decisions with the ball, starting to get his head up a little bit. And I'll tell you what, when that happens, he is going to be quite a player. A couple opportunities. I think Richie missed him once. It would have been maybe a give and go, play him in the space. It could have been dangerous. I did think that we looked fluid a few times, but not enough. But boy, we came out in the second half and just we never kicked on. Um, I, you know, I, it's just no, you know, we didn't have that many chances from open play either in the FA Cup. But man, the second half, we just looked dead. Um, and, you know, of course, Andre in the 47th minute gets his patented yellow again out of position, trying to let someone gets behind him, drags him down. And the problem with that is. You know, I'm sure that Frank maybe went into this match thinking, okay, look, I'm asking a lot Andre Gomes and Alon here. They both played 90 minutes last match. They both led the team in touches by a mile. Clearly, he's not clueless. He could see how bad Andre was in the first half. I kind of wonder if we didn't have to make two injury subs, if he wouldn't have made a change at half. You know what I mean? But then when Andre gets the yellow, you know what's going to happen. Now, eventually, he makes the change, and it was probably scripted to be at that time. But it just was a bad omen. You know, um, and then there was a breakout play where Richarlison had the ball out wide directly against Shar. That I thought this is good because there's no way he can keep up with Richarlison. Fouled him, yeah, it was a flop a little bit by Richarlison, but got him a yellow. And I'm thinking, you got Shelby on a yellow, you got Shar on a yellow. 
you know, here's some opportunities to exploit that and take advantage of it. Never did. Never did at all, really. Yeah. And then, of course, six minutes later in the 56th, Newcastle make it 2-1. You know, ASM was making it difficult all night. And that really kind of sums it up. The place went absolutely bananas. And it felt like, you know, that was definitely the summary to the game. And and I think the big question mark was moving forward. You know, are we going to be able to bounce back in any way? Yeah, it just becomes so much more difficult when you only have the one sub left. And the writing was on the wall for Andre Gomez, as Ryan said. So whereas you may have had the the flexibility to try to bring in a game changer now, and we did bring on Van de Beek, of course, in the 60th, but your ability to to influence and, and really make positive changes on the game is impacted so negatively by the fact that you had to make these other changes, hoping to just tread water. And of course, I think at that point, this was after Jared Branthwaite had gotten basically uh, uppercut by our own keeper. And oh. I thought that that was like a surefire concussion, the first replay I saw, but he was able to somehow carry on, um, though some of his uh, touches may have made it appear as though he was still a little rattled by that hit. Um, but I don't know. What did you guys think of... I mean, we get at least got to see Deli Ali and Van de Beek, the two new midfield signings, come in, though I think we'd all agree it was not under the most ideal circumstances for either of them. I, I thought we saw from Donny Van de Beek what, what he brings in terms of passing. He's a very precise passer. His first touch is very good. His movement was fine, but again, I just don't like him in that role. Uh, he did well. He, at times, actually gave us a little bit of stability back there. But ultimately, he's not a great defensive player, and I just think it's kind of a waste for him. Like, I want him to do that stuff closer to goal where I think he can do a little bit more damage. Uh, Deli Ali was clearly hit or miss and inconsistent. He can be like that sometimes. It's going to take him a while. But I think with attacking players, when you're putting them up there, you know, you need to attack with speed and fluidity and, and quickness to, to be dangerous, and that takes time. And, and there were chemistry issues at times, too, where people weren't sure where people were going to be, not to mention you had Andrus Townsend playing on the left side, which he's not entirely familiar with playing. So I think some of that suffered. I'm very interested to see how he's going to work both those two in. I still think it would have been a wiser decision making a loan move um, instead of buying anyone in January for, for someone who could play as more of a defensive mid. Uh, once you had Van de Beek locked down, I don't understand why you would necessarily need Deli Ali. There's a way that we got to get them to work together. And, um, you know, Delhi didn't quite do it for me, but early days for sure. I don't know what your thoughts are, Alex. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was exciting to see both of them on the pitch. Um, you know, I felt like just just the nature of the match itself and how it progressed made it kind of hard, especially obviously for Delhi to kind of make his mark. Um, and then Donnie Vandebeek, I mean, obviously he looked good. Um, I thought when he came on, he offered a lot of good passing and held the ball well, which was definitely what was needed. Um, although we did have possession at that point already, right? It, that's the interesting part, right? Because we feel like Donnie Vandebeek may not be best in a, in the central midfield position as opposed to somewhere higher up, yet he comes on and he improves us that much in that position. So, he, so it's not even his strongest position, and yet I think a lot of people would argue he still improves us uh, as a second player, maybe with Alain, Ducore, or, or you know, both. Certainly over so. Andre. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't quite provide you the same type of player, just a little bit of a different type of player. But ultimately, he was probably the only one that looked kind of threatening with the pass. But I just felt like the whole time we were really struggling to pass and break them down down the middle. They kind of forced us to outside. And we just and I, I would argue that we look fatigued. We look tired. And we did. And we at this point, we've made all three subs by the 60th minute. And so 
not only do you have, again, that limited ability to make adjustments uh, personnel-wise, but you also run the huge risk of an injury or a sending off at that point. Result, you know, Mason Holgate could go buck wild at any moment and just throw in a scissor kick and get sent off. Um, Alon would pick up a yellow card later. You could have very easily gone down to 10 men. Um, and, and I agree, Ryan. I thought we looked really tired. Richarlison pressing from the front looked absolutely gassed. Andros Townsend only got worse the longer the match went on. And then in the 80th minute, Newcastle puts the nail in the coffin. Kieran Trippier free kick beats the wall. It's placed somewhat well, but it's not exactly top bins or anything. Something you'd expect uh, England's number one to perhaps save, or should I say a competent keeper to save? Yes, he should save the ball. I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, you'd really hope a, a good Premier League keeper would have got to that one, but he didn't. Uh, not that I thought necessarily, you know, we, we were lacking so much energy. And I, I think also one thing is to Newcastle had an easy outlet. Just give it to St. Maximin and, and let him run. Uh, Coleman, who had played 90 minutes again three days before, was clearly tired. I mean, that's a, of course, I mean, no Premier League player isn't going to suffer performance wise playing their second 90 by the end of it in that short a time period. I don't care who you are. And it's Seamus Coleman. a 33-year-old. Right. Right. He's he's 33 years old. I mean, I don't want to sound like Happy Gilmore. Like, you can't take away her home. She's old, you know, but but he is. He's aging, you know, and it's hard for guys that, that are 23 to do that. And he doesn't have the same level of cover in Yerimina. And we had to press up and score. So it was a lot of Mason Holgate trying to keep up with St. Maximum, which was not effective, I think. And we'll look at the dribbling stats in a bit here, but I mean, I thought the numbers showed too in the second half. I mean, we had, we had the ball more, but it just didn't matter. They looked much more dangerous when they got it. They were more explosive. I felt like we were standing still. I, I just, you know, I just kept thinking and maybe it's, it's biased because I, I had a preconceived notion. It might be that way, but I felt like we just looked tired. We looked like we had been the team that had played three days ago. And, and a lot of our guys that had didn't look look tired too. Yeah, I mean, they look tired, but I'm going to be honest, like visually you could tell that they were rattled by the away atmosphere in general. Like they they do not have a strong enough mentality to compete the way that we need them to. It's it's kind of proven by their away record in general. It's proven by their performances. I mean, why, why all of a sudden can we not string like three passes together in the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes throughout the match? I mean, yes, they're gassed, but at the same time, it just feels like their underlying problems far deeper than you know they they were tired on the on the day, and unfortunately, you know the worst. I think the worst part about you know just just to cycle back on the on the third goal, the worst part was even if Pickford did save it, I don't know that I feel confident that we would have created any opportunity to level anyway. I agree with that. Like that's the worst part. I think for me is I don't even know if it matters. Yeah, look, it- I, I hear that, but but look, Newcastle has the nineteenth. 19- record you know best goal expected goals differential per 90 in the league at home so i i I don't there's not like it's some fortress yeah Uh, they have nine points at home all year in 11 matches so i I mean i I don't think they've scored three in a match all season either and they haven't won by two goals that's for sure yeah so look i have look i'm not saying it didn't affect them of course it does you know i mean that's why teams don't do as well much in, is the unfamiliarity with the pitch and other things would affect you as well but i also think you're rolling the dice if you think andre gomes is going to play magically another perfect 90 minutes of football um and we saw it today we saw it you know he, he's not a consistent performer 
I don't think he's even that great a performer. And Alon is not going to have the athleticism to cover for him the whole time. And if he's not passing the ball and progressing the ball, well, what does he give you? Because Andre is a good player in between the, the 18s on a good day. Not too good in the final third, not too good in his own third. And I thought that was evident today. But the problem is once you had the two subs gone, you couldn't make that drastic change. I think at halftime that would have been more impactful because the way Newcastle was playing, actually the way Newcastle was playing, maybe you could have gotten away with putting a Donnie Van de Beek in the middle today, honestly, because they were going to concede possession to a certain extent. They don't hold it very much. They're not a high possession team. If you're ever going to try that where you want to play him as kind of like the other central mid or play a three today, I think you could have gotten away with it today. Maybe you should have started with him. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that. I do think it is hard to drop both of, I mean, last match we were talking about debating between Andre and Alon as men of the match, uh, to drop both of them with the limited options that he has at his disposal. But I do think a third body in there, expecting to go back in a two-man midfield, even though we did still dominate the ball and produce the exact same result, especially being away, was a little bit naive from Frank Lampard, in my opinion. Um, and it clearly didn't work uh, even from the get go. Well, there are a lot of bad fact. There's some bad factors though too. I mean, think about it. Like Demar Gray got hurt pretty early. Sure. You know, so you kind of lost his mobility from like a 15, 20 minute span there. You know, and that hurt. So you had basically Anthony Gordon running around finding space, but he was really the only one. Richarlison looked a little gassed too. I don't know. I mean, it just seemed like we just couldn't play it through. But yeah, maybe an extra person in midfield back a little farther could have given us a little more control but look frank's got a lot to learn about this team and he's gonna learn but but look in the second half i think our possession was 64.5 percent, so we had the ball a lot more but still five to nine in shots in the second half i mean newcastle had six shots on goal in the second half we had two i mean st maximum went crazy in the second half eight of nine in dribble attempts in the second half and i think james nailed this i mean some of the full-time stats were pretty dramatic but think about it from the four, 41st minute on when we were beating them in shots four to six, 16 to five in shots for Newcastle, five to one in corners. I mean, that was that was it. And I mean, the interceptions number is a really big one, too. Diabolical. 17 to four in interceptions in favor of Newcastle. Just reflective of how careless we were in possession, giving the ball away relentlessly. And it really doesn't get any better when you look at our defending man to man. Some pretty shocking one on one defending stats as well. Yeah, I mean, Townsend cannot defend 1v1. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't, so I'm glad he wasn't playing as a true left back. And, and But, I mean, they were just dribbling by. I mean, look, I mean, Townsend, Holgate, Alon, Gomes, each were dribbled by three times. But it felt like it, didn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. it felt like, especially at the end, that we were tired and they were just, even Frazier felt like he was taking people on or at least had space to run at us. Um, It felt a little bit futile sometimes on defense they were just running there were too many chances where they were just running at our back line so look the bottom line is we, we just never really got going whether it was fatigue or not so I, there, there are a lot of ways to look at this i mean i, I don't think either of us are going to argue that we deserve to win but what do you guys think no. really was the culprit here or the story of the match like i cannot i know i keep beating it into the ground but i just can't help but look at this and think that he prioritized the fa cup match to me Maybe not over this match, but definitely placed a lot of emphasis on it. And a lot of people said that was good, good times, built momentum. But how long did momentum last today? I mean, a couple bad passes, gone. To me, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there there are just a lot of factors involved with every decision, right? Like you're trying to take every decision and, and based on how you would approach it from the future as to the past, right? You had a new manager coming in. It's his very first game in charge. You know, why? Who? what first manager ever plays his rotational players? I, his first game, I don't know. I mean, depending on where it is. It's just, a good point. Just a point, it, you know, it. There, there are a lot of there are a lot of factors involved with everything, and then and then you say, okay, so as as James mentioned, you had our two central midfielders who were arguably both man or could have been man of the match, you know, three days ago. So how do you drop them? What message does that send to your players if if that's what you do? Maybe he planned on switching out our central midfield. Maybe he had other plans in terms of substitutes before we had two injuries. Which, you know, so, so now your story is different again in terms of how he managed the game when he made subs. Who came on for who? You never even know if those were the, you know, those were the positions that he wanted to play Delhi and or Donnie, Donnie Vandebeek in initially. Yeah, I think that's really important, Alex. I mean, Ryan, I agree with you. I mean, it, now in hindsight, looking back, it's clear that the FA Cup was prioritized based on the strength of the lineup put out. Probably could have given some guys rotational minutes. We've talked about that a ton. But I think the story of this match is Mikolenko, COVID, last minute drop. I don't know to what extent that modified the game plan. If he was just, he put in towns and like, like for like in air quotes there to try to minimize the disruption, or if they were planning to go maybe with a true back four and maybe it was a three man midfield. Um, the, the, the existing injuries that we already have preventing any sort of rotation in the midfield, as well as the injuries we picked up within 40 minutes of the match starting completely derailed. I mean, we would at that point at halftime, I would have snapped your hand off for a point. And I don't think Everton should really ever be in the position backs to the wall against a team like Newcastle who are really bad, but look at our form over the last three months. You know, the new manager bounce can only get you so far. And clearly Lampard still has a lot of learning to do, but he also has to get these guys healthy and able to play consistently for us to really escape this persistent lingering relegation uh, threat that we're, we just can't seem to get ourselves away from. And this that's why this match was so critical, because if we win, we're seven points clear of the relegation zone, and we can go in with full confidence against Leeds. Even if we're out of the FA Cup and the hopes of quote-unquote winning anything are gone for the season, the priority has to be to stay in the Premier League. And that's what I think, Ryan, really is, I guess, your key issue here right and there's more than that really too like fine okay fine you wanted to start these guys in the fa cup which again i totally disagree with period i flat out disagree with it because i think anything that you did that would lessen the chances of winning this match today i personally think is a mistake personally my personal opinion so i'd have played a very different lineup however i mean and alex makes a good point do, do you do that so i think he he had to in my opinion but he chose not to probably for the reasons why he said you know his first game he's going to play yeah, I think he has to do that because he has to think in his head, wow, that's the big one. But anyway, I think the other issue I have is that, okay, it was only three days ago, four days ago, whatever, Saturday. I mean, very quick turnaround, probably shortest turnaround we'll have all, all year. Why do you let these guys play as many minutes as you did? You had five subs and what the first sub he made was like the 72nd minute or something. Why? And why do you wait till the 87th to sub out Gray and Richarlison? If you knew you were going to play him or needed him for Newcastle, what are you thinking? Fred? Like, I, that's a bad decision to me. I, I think, I mean, that's, I just think it is. And I think the one thing that I had the biggest issue with it is if you had a tactic that you're going to play against Newcastle, who play differently to an extent than Brentford, 
you know, you're killing every opportunity for these guys that were going to play against Newcastle to train appropriately for it because they had a big recovery day the next day. So I think you've compromised your ability to tack them a little bit. That's my claim. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just, I think you get what you get a little bit. Did it mean that we're going to come here and win anyways? I don't know. But Ben Godfrey doesn't get hurt if you don't play him. And you basically played him in a game that some people are like, well, you're dismissive of the cup. No, I love the FA Cup. I'd like nothing better for us to win the FA Cup. And under any normal other circumstance, I'd be like, prioritize the cup, finish mid-table. You know, that's fine. But we're not in that circumstance right now. And you're right. Seven points over Newcastle with the game at hand. That's, I mean, I'm not saying for sure we're clear, but that is a huge buffer. And that has been taken away, closed in quite the opposite. And now we got an almost a must win with a bunch of guys hurt. I, I don't know. I think it's a wrong mistake. Yes, I'm vindicated. And maybe it's a little extreme to be doing that. But I, that's not that's not the point. I think it's something we said before and we saw it before. And I just, I just think it's a mistake. And I, I think you saw a lot of that today um that being said are we are we overreacting a little bit here are we going like to say we're going down i mean are we really i mean we're in danger there's still quite a few teams below us a couple of these teams have gotten a lot better though that newcastle team has a bunch of additions that make a big difference to them i don't how do you guys feel i think we're very much now after today in legitimate though not high probability threat of relegation and you can say there's three teams worse than us and you look at the Premier league table and the teams that are now below us we're one point above newcastle three points above norwich what four points above watford burnley rock bottom I mean, we've lost now to newcastle norwich and watford so to say we're there's three teams worse than us well the head-to-head results don't exactly bear that out bearing in mind we've had continual injuries all season. I don't think you can at this point count on us being fully healthy at any point for the rest of the year. And you look at these next few games, which we've been talking about are so critical. I think if we lose to Leeds, I mean, every loss we take from here on out just increases that likelihood. And it only takes two or three wins to really get us in a decent position. But I don't know where those three wins are going to come from at this point. So I'm worried like Alex, I'm trying to stay optimistic. I don't want to be going into the last day of the season having this be even a 0.00001% chance of happening. But Frank Lampard is in a difficult situation, which he could have made, I think, much easier had today gone in our favor. I think the timing of all of this is so bad and so mismanaged, it really hurts things. I mean, Frank takes over and he's got three matches in like a week. Minimal time on the training ground. You know what I mean? I mean, he got hired an international break, but we weren't even, I mean, he got hired basically in the middle of it. They should have made a call a long time ago on the other guy. Should have made a call before, before the window opened. So you didn't force out your left back. Should not have made these transfer decisions in January. You're overpaid for guys that weren't ready to contribute right away. Those are huge mistakes. It's a huge downgrade. And now you put it at risk. And then you just bought a guy who Daly Ali might be a really good player and everything, but who bought him? Whose future vision is the one that brought him in as a permanent into this club? People are like, well, he's free this year. We ain't going to be free going forward. And he's on a hundred K a week. So he's not free. So I don't, it's just reeks of mismanagement out the wazoo. And I'll tell you what, if we don't get relegated this year, it shows you we might even be too big to fail because I, I just cannot. It's just really frustrating to see that and see how many limited options we have. And the other thing is too, 
I, I don't want to lose. I mean, I want to support Frank Lampard, and, and I think he may be a good guy in the long term, but I'm not so sure he's the right manager to come in and set us up to be tough to beat and and get us out of a relegation battle. And I think that's still a fair concern, in, in my opinion. I can't believe you didn't start with one of Ali or, or Van de Beek, though. That, that was a little surprising to me. I mean, Van de Beek's not alone, man. Like, what are you waiting for? Get him in the game. I, I that was a little surprising to me. I, I don't know. I don't know how you guys think though, but I mean, it's it's we're in the position we are out of pure mismanagement, and really nothing more. Yeah, and, I think it's it's really that simple. I, I really do. I also um, don't and, understand and, some of the player usage too, and I, I'd love to get in some of the individual player performance because some of them are pretty bad. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk uh, individual performances. I mean, first and foremost, the last minute addition, Andros Townsend. We had Owen uh, at Owen Parks, one, two, three, friend of the show. Uh, Was quote tweeting someone who said Townsend worst individual performance I've ever seen. And Owen said, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Andros Townsend has never played left wing back in his career before. And that might have something to do with the worst individual performance ever. Fair. Scout, that, Scout fair. by the way, has no record of him playing left wing back. And again, he wasn't quite playing wing back. He was playing left mid. But but still, the point is the same. Uh, he certainly hasn't played the left side in a very long time. Um, yeah, he was not effective. He looked slow. I mean, painfully slow at times. There were several times he was played through. You can't convince me he was a better option there than even my guy, Alex Awobi. I don't understand that at all. And it wasn't just Alex. I mean, El Ghazi's on this team now. That's his side. So, like, why would you play someone out of position? I don't understand that logic uh, at all, personally. Maybe he felt like he was going to work hard and he could trust him. And no, I don't think he has characteristics to play that position because he lacks pace and he's not good in 1v1 defending. And it showed. I I think there's also a greater problem in terms of our progression of the ball. I mean, look at the long passing numbers. Normally, we have some guys that can really break through lines pretty well. Alon was one for six. Michael Keane was zero for five. He did not look comfortable on the ball today. Part of it was the pressure, like you said earlier. Part of it's making people available and moving, you know, and maybe we just lacked a little step because we were tired. Yeah, he got, he was bad playing the ball out of the back while he was in there too. But um, Jordan Pickford resorted to hoofball five of 20 with his long passes. And again, I don't expect keepers to make a lot of good long passes, but he had 25 passes. 20 of them were long balls. What happened to playing out of the back? What happened with that? Because I think if you control the ball a little bit better, maybe you don't get as fatigued. I, I truly, you know what I mean? Sure. I, I mean, yeah. the central mids, Mike, because they're running around a lot, but that's maybe one sub you got to make. And I, I think really the injuries really did hurt. They really did hurt. You know, you had some guys that were a little bit deer in the headlights, Jared Brantwaite being one. Yeah, Branthwaite for sure looked very uncomfortable. And that's that's what happens when you throw the kid in. It's just a kid. In, unexpectedly. He had some really awkward touches. Um, but yeah, I think to your point, Ryan, you know, against Brentford, of course, we were leading for most of the time, but we did see at least a little bit of a hybrid between playing it long and playing it out of the back. It seemed to go immediately to plan B once we were like very, even in the first half, it, it started to go there and we never really regained the composure to be able to develop any fluid possession out of the back. And I think you're right. There was a definitely a lack of movement. We weren't able, those passing drills, Lampard, we have on video. Uh, didn't seem to uh, have stuck in their heads because it was really hard to get the ball into Alon and Gomez. And maybe they watched that match and just said, okay, well, we can shut off those entry points. Then we'll make life very difficult for them. And that's that's what happened. Part of it was just making people available. You know, they seem like they took that away from us a little bit. 
with some of their pressure and some of their athleticism, probably in the midfield. I think that's probably a fair assessment. Um, we have some great listener comments we probably want to get into, I think, um, unless uh, you have any parting words before we jump into them, guys. No, let's keep it rolling and get the listeners' points of view. I think there was a lot of consensus, though. People have varying degrees of uh, pooping their pants in terms of the relegation <laughs> battle. We had uh, Christian Polanco, friend of the show from the Cooligans, said, losing Mina and Gray crushed us. I like that we're actually controlling possession at times and beating the press. Terrible to not get a result, but it's not the end of the world just yet. A little bit of a sad face there. So just yet, not losing hope. I like the semi-optimism. Um, we then had at Brian Lancet said, can we, on the other side of the coin, can we all now admit we're in a relegation fight, created nothing from open play, scheduled down the stretch is brutal. Where are the goals and points coming from? Sick emoji face. Yeah, I felt a couple times during the match that I just think we lost a little composure in terms of trying to keep the ball because I, I just I kept going back to that. I'm like, OK, just calm down, find some space, put in some work and get some ball movement going. And I felt we maybe would have grown into the game a little bit, but it just there were too many poor individual performances. And I think when you took Gray out, who's very fast and quick and gets into space a lot and then took Yeri out, who's really solid on the ball, even if he wasn't his first two passes. It made it that much harder for us. And, you know, maybe Frank should have switched it up and I think stacked another person in the midfield. That may have made made a big difference and allowed us to get more control, but you're limited in the subs you can have when two guys go down in the first half. So I think a lot of what people are saying here, again, we have very smart listeners. I think a lot of them are saying a lot of the right, the right things. Speaking of intelligent listeners, we had PDX Toffee at PDX Toffee bringing us home with not a good performance, but I'm not as freaked out as others, it would appear. Bad luck with fitness and everything still being very new is the reason. Definitely need to see growth and a result on Saturday, though. And I think that's what all Evertonians are hoping for is a bounce back and a strong performance against a struggling lead side, which would get us at least right back on track. And with that, that's going to do it for us. No need to beat this any further into the ground. It was very disappointing, but we appreciate you listening. Nevertheless. If you want to check out all of our social media, follow us there, interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find all those links at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. And as always, don't forget to like and subscribe and leave a rating or review on your platform of choice. Thanks very much. And until next time, up the toffees.